All right, cool. So first off, I just want to start off by thanking Jared uh, for this opportunity. I think it's a little, this is the first time that I've like had the opportunity to be able to like kind of prep for me to share my testimony and just share a little bit about like what God's done in my own life. Uh, usually every time I do that, it's like I'm put in like an awkward position and people are just like, hey, you want to give your testimony? I'm like, sure. Um, so preparing for it was a challenge. Uh, and it was kind of, di- it was kind of difficult. So what I planned to do was just let the Holy Spirit guide me. That's what I do every other time. So um, I just want to go ahead and just pray real quick before this, uh, before I take off with uh, what I got to say. Uh, so, Lord, Heavenly Father, Jesus, I just thank you for this opportunity, Lord. I thank you for what it is that you have done in my own life, Lord. And I thank you for this community. I thank you for the people that are sitting here today that have come to just hear about how great you are, Lord, and what you are capable of doing in, uh, in one's life. Lord, I pray that they would have a better revelation of your love and the sacrifice that you have um, given on the cross for us, Lord. I pray that people today would leave uh, with strength and a greater faith after hearing a testimony, not um, something that's strictly of Scripture, but what you have done in, in somebody's specific life on earth today uh, that they can see and something that's tangible. So we love you, and I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, cool. So um, this actually just came to me like right before I came up here, and I was like, what am I going to talk about? Not really, but uh, I was like, how am I going to start this off? And what I really wanted to just start off with is starting, I want to focus on sacrifice. First, because Jesus sacrificed his life, um, but also veterans. They choose to sacrifice their own lives by uh, signing a contract to go and serve the, the United States of America. And uh, for a lot of people, it's hard to kind of understand what it consists of. But for the ones who do it, it's something that's, like, deeply in, like, their soul and their spirit. And it's something that drives them to be selfless. And so uh, when I was standing back there, I was thinking, there, in, in Luke, it just talks about really quickly how um, Jesus drove out some demons out of this one guy and uh, sent them into the pigs that ran off into the ocean and killed themselves. But after that, this guy wanted Jesus to stay with him. And Jesus said, you know, go back to your home and tell all that God has done for you. And he went off proclaiming through, uh, throughout the town all that Jesus had done for him. So today I'm here to uh, share my testimony and what God has done for me. A lot of times, you know, it's nerve-wracking to share, like, what God has done for you in your life. But I think after I do, it's, like, the most encouraging thing that I've possibly ever experienced. And it also encourages, encourages other people. So I hope that today you guys are really encouraged. So I'll start off by saying, like, when I was younger, I mean, I was kind of, like, I just did whatever I wanted to do. I wasn't, like, the worst kid in the world, but, I mean, I got in trouble. You know, I wouldn't say anything too extreme, um, but definitely more than the average kid. And I am from Naugatuck, Connecticut, and uh, I grew up with Justin as well, and he's got a pretty solid name, so. Um, I think, uh, you know, we have a lot of history together, and, uh, you know, I've been blessed by my family, I've been blessed by my friends, and uh, I just want to thank them for, uh, you know, everything that they've done as well. But, so when I was a kid, I would just do whatever I wanted, and I kind of clinged on to people, you know. I, like, always wanted to be, my, uh, be around my friends. I didn't care about anything that, like, that had to do with school. I didn't care about anything that had to, like, do with improving my own life. Um, 
especially intellectually. I think I was just more like really hyper, and I just wanted to like go out there and just be a brat more or less. Um, I did some stupid stuff, but once I realized that I wanted to join like the Marine Corps, something changed inside of me. It was kind of like you know, you just made a decision that you're going to live for something much greater than yourself. And so when I realized that, I feel like in my spirit, you know, something started to transition. And I realized that I needed to be pushed into becoming a man. And if, if I didn't go into the Marine Corps, I wouldn't be the person that I am today, and that's for sure. So when I went into the Marine Corps, I first I went in as a mechanic. I had my uncle, who was a Vietnam veteran, and he, was, uh, he had two Purple Hearts, and uh, this guy lived in, the, in Maine in the woods, and I was, like, all about it. And I was like, oh, I want to be like him, you know, this and that. Not realizing that, like, psychologically he wasn't all there. You know, he had a lot of issues, a lot of things that he never dealt with. But for some reason, it was, like, appealing to me. And so my mindset was, like, I want to be like that. And it wasn't something that I really understood. And so after getting to the Marine Corps, the, actually the one thing that he did tell me, too, was, like, you know, get a job that do something that's a trade that you can learn. And so I was like, all right, cool, so I'll do this. And so I picked going in as a mechanic. So when I went in, I went through all the training, this and that. And uh, the one thing that I realized that I wanted to uh, express today was that when you, become, when you go into the military, this is anybody, any, this is any person that goes into the military, the first thing that happens is you go into boot camp. And so what, you, what happens is that you experience a transformation, and so after you're done with boot camp, you know who you are. You know that you're either a Marine, a soldier, an airman, or a sailor. Um, and that's who you are. That, that's the call that's been put on your life at that specific time, and you have an identity. And so I knew I was a Marine, and I was proud about it, and I had a lot of pride in being, um, being a Marine. And so um, after all that took place, you know, I went to Japan I did what I had to do over there, and then I ended up going to Iraq. And the one thing about the Marine Corps that is, I honestly love is that they don't really care what you do. They're going to put you with, they're going to put you where you want, where they want. And so um, I thought, like, I was like, all right, I'm going in as a mechanic. You know, I'm going to work on stuff. I'm going to learn an awesome trade, and then when I get out, I can like transfer this over. And that didn't happen. So when I went over there, you know, they were like, oh, we need guys to go with like an infantry battalion. Uh, and I was like, uh, uh, so I was like, okay, I'll go. And um, so they sent me over there, and they're like, all right, what's your trade? And I was like, a mechanic. They're like, all right, well, you're not going to learn that anymore. You're not going to do that either. And I'm like, okay, cool. So, <laughs> so basically, the next thing I know, they're training me, and they're equipping me with the tools that I need to know to do the job that they learned. So long story short, we're out there. I'm patrolling. I'm doing all this kind of stuff. I'm learning new things, and it's a really awesome experience. And... Um, Experiencing combat, experiencing life-changing scenarios that I never thought I would be that 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 I would be in, and it kind of like gave me a new perspective on life. So I come I come back from Iraq and I go to Afghanistan, and uh, when I go to Afghanistan, I'm like, okay, maybe I can do my job this time. As soon as I get out there, they're like, nope, you're going with the combat engineers, and you're going to be sweeping in on the and on the 50 cal, and I'm like, all right, this is cool. So I'm out there and I'm on on the 50 cal. And Afghanistan is a different is different than Iraq at this point in time, and um, we experienced a lot a lot more combat, and it was kind of like I started to like really get used to it, and I started to like want it. You know, uh, I think one thing is when you go into the military, you go in to serve the country, 
And a lot of people choose to go because they want to fight in war. And uh, once I experienced this, it was kind of like an adrenaline rush, and it kind of like pumped me up. And like the guys that we were with, it brought us together, and the camaraderie was so tight that like we would die for each other. And I know John fifteen thirteen talks about how like there's no greater love than to sacrifice yourself for your brother. And uh, this is one thing that you know the guys that are on the ground in Iraq or Afghanistan have experienced firsthand. You know, if you have like your buddies die. Or if you put yourself in a position that your life can be taken for your brother, you know what it, you know what it means to sacrifice yourself for somebody that you love. Um, and it's not even just on a level of, like, a lot of people will say, yeah, like, yeah I'll, yeah, I'll die for my brother. But, like, when the time comes and you choose, there's something that happens. And there's this deep revelation of, like, wow, that's love. Um, I've been put in many different situations where, my buddies would jump out before me and, uh, you know, try to hold me back from going first. And I would always ask them, like, why? And they're just like, yo, you're different. Like, your heart is different. And I'm like, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, I want the opportunity to be able to go first, you know? And they're like, yo, listen, like, if we get blown up or if we get shot, like, we don't want you to come with us. We, we don't want to take you with us. And, you know, that always stood with me. And I'm like, what are these dudes' deals? Like, you know, like, <laughs> I'm trying to get out there, dude. Like, chill. And, um... And they're like, you know, they would they would never let me they would never let me take lead, and so uh, now I know why. And so after going to Afghanistan, I came back, and when I came back, I realized that there was something that happened to me, something changed in my mindset, and I was like extremely driven towards a deep anger and a deep hatred. I remember about like a month before I got out of the Marine Corps, I was. Uh, I was on my computer doing something, and uh, everybody went home on leave except for me. And I wanted to stay. I wanted to stay so I can get out early. And so I'm, as I, as I'm there, I just uh, you know I was like I'm not doing anything. I'm just gonna start drinking. So um, and I'm by myself. So I just bought like a bottle of Captain, and uh, I just start drinking. And uh, I remember I called my father. I don't even remember what I said, but um, the next thing I know, you know, I woke up at around 2:30 in the morning, and my whole room was like a tornado. It looked like a tornado went through it. Like I smashed the mirrors. Like you have like a little microwave. I smashed that. I smashed my computer, smashed my phone, like ripped everything out of, um, I give you like little foot lockers and then like wall lockers and stuff. Ripped everything out of there. Like ripped the beds apart. Like it looked like a tornado ripped through this place. And I'm like, what happened? And so uh, there was two buddies that I had that were still here and they were down the hall. So like I run over there and uh, I knock on their door, and I'm like, yo, do you guys, like, know anything that happened? And they're like, you don't remember? I was like, no. They're like, dude, you literally like, were, like, trying to, like, turn into the Hulk. And I was like, what do you mean? And they were like, you took your wall locker and threw it across the hall into, like, the, into somebody's door and then tried to take your buddy's wall locker and throw it out the window. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they were like, dude, you were saying the craziest stuff, like, you want to go over there and, like, kill these kids, like, and you want to go over there and, like, just experience, like, more death, and, like, you want to go over there and just, like, just all this, like, crazy stuff that I had no idea what was going on. And um, and so what happened was I was FaceTiming with one of my friends on the computer, and uh, and so I finally, like, got a, a phone, and I ended up calling her, and I was like, so, I was like, what happened? And she was like, nothing. She's like, I just asked you, like, about Afghanistan, and then, like, your mindset changed like that, and you just, like, flipped the switch, and, like, you started crying, 
and then you were just talking about how you want to do all these crazy things, and then out of nowhere, your computer like went blank. And, and so she was like really scared, didn't know what happened. And um, so they wanted me to go see the doctor. So I go see the doctor, and they're like, yeah, you have like PTSD or whatever. And, they're, and so they start, diag- they start giving me like meds. And while this is happening, you know, they're telling me that like if I claim that I have PTSD, they're not going to let me out of the Marine Corps right now because like I need to seek like psychiatric help, get the counseling and therapy that I need. And so the doctor asked me, he's like, do you want to leave? Or do you want to stay? And I'm like, I'm trying to get out of here, you know? And he's like, so do you have any problems? I'm like, no, I'm good. He's like, all right, you're good. So I get, I leave. So um, a couple of weeks later, they discharge me, and I go home. And I'm like, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong. And uh, so I think it was like two weeks after I got out of the Marine Corps, I was drinking all the time, and I was just doing whatever I wanted. Uh, I, I'm, at a, I'm at a party. And I'm drinking a lot, and I end up uh, jumping on, uh, actually, not even my street bike, on somebody else's street bike, and I'm, like, ripping it up the street. And I come up to a corner, and uh, the, the bike goes down, and I hit a guardrail head first, and I break my neck, and I break my upper back, and I split my head. And uh, I don't remember exactly what happened, but people were telling me. And so I end up obviously going to the hospital, and they end up discharging me, and then they end up giving me, like, opiates for the pain. And from that point forward, you know, I start taking all this medication for my, uh, for my pain. But on top of this, you know, the VA is giving me all these different kind of medications. And so I feel really good, obviously, when you're taking opiates. Like, it makes you feel good. And so I start taking them a lot, you know, and they're making me feel good. And um, I start going through this healing process, and as soon as I started to heal, I start drinking. And then I start drinking a lot, and I start partying a lot, and I'm just doing whatever. And I have a lot of tattoos, and I probably got all these tattoos in probably, like, less than a year. Uh, like, half of my body tattooed in, like, less than a year. Just very impulsive, just doing whatever I want. And the following summer, I'm coming up to uh, about a year from the last accident. I'm doing, I remember this, I'm doing um, a wheelie at probably, like, between 60 and 80 miles an hour, and I flip backwards, land on my elbow, rip my elbow off, and I get, like, road rash all over my body. And uh, I was, like, pumped up. Like, it hurt, and it, like, messed with me, like, psychologically, but, you know, like, that rush was, like, I was all about it. I was, like, and after, like, the first accident and into the second accident, it was, like, all about the rush at this point. And so at this point, I'm just... I have to go through this whole process again of healing. I'm in the hospital for like about a week and um, end up having to get three reconstructive surgeries and they give me a lot of opiates. So I started taking the opiates again, except for this time it was a long, drawn-out process. So I ended up getting hooked on opiates and I remember I would be on the couch watching TV and movies for weeks and just take opiates, just take opiates. And it would be every four hours and then sometimes every two hours depending on like how I, how I wanted to feel. And... Um, my mindset changed a lot. Like, my friends weren't around anymore. Like, they had life to live. They were doing whatever they wanted. So I cut them out of my life. And it was basically me and the TV and opiates. And um, I started to heal up, and I went back to this group, and I was extremely reckless at this point. I mean, I was, like, going to bars, getting hammered, going into my car, falling asleep, waking up to somebody like you, like, waking me up. And then I'd be like, all right, let's go. Like, we'll go somewhere else. 
just driving constantly, really drunk. Um, going to bars, trying to fight people. Like, I just didn't care. Like, my, this, this, there was something inside of me that was so, like, deeply rooted that, like, I could not explain it, but I just wanted to, like, kill or be killed, basically. Um, and so throughout this process, my mindset's changing. You know, I'm getting hurt. All these different things are happening. And on top of that, like, I'm pushing my family away. You know, like, they didn't even know anything that was going on. They're clueless. And I ended up, like, barricading myself in the basement um, just because I didn't want to be around anybody. I needed to be, like, alone. And it was, like, darker down there. It was, like, more space. And so I would watch movies on, like, Iraq, Afghanistan. And I would watch these things because it would, like, drive this internal rage that's inside of me. Uh, you know, I missed, like, going back and, like, doing these things. I missed being on, like, the 50 cal. Like, I missed being around, like, explosions. I missed getting blown up. Like, I missed, like, you know, being in action and, like, killing people. Like, I just missed it. And it would just drive me to do the craziest things and not even care about anybody else. And so at this time, I end up, so about, I'd say, I don't know, six months later, it's about January. Or no, in December. I remember going to upstate New York and uh, to visit one of my buddies that I was in uh, the Marine Corps with and experienced a bunch of stuff with. And um, it was December 28th, and he's like, yo, we're, we're going to go to a um, ugly sweater party. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. It's not my thing, but I'm down. And so um, we go to this ugly sweater party, and I'm like, I had a feeling. I'm like, you know what? I don't really want to drink, so I'm just going to hang out. And he's like, all right, that's cool, man. And so just hanging out, and then he comes a few minutes later, like everybody's like drinking. And I was like, you know what? I'll have a little bit of Jack, just Jack on the rocks. Like, I'm just going to chill. I'm just going to chill with Jack on the Rocks. So, <laughs> so he gives me Jack on the Rocks, and I'm like, I drink just a little bit, and that was it. Boom. I'm like, you know what? Let me get some more. Boom. About an hour later, that whole bottle's gone. We crushed it. And I, don't, like, and I remember, like, there was some kind of confrontation that I started um, between a girl and him. He's married, and some, and she was, like, trying to talk to him, and I ended up, like, calling her out, and this whole thing happened, and he's like, let's get out of here. So we ended up leaving, and we go to this bar. I don't know any of this area, and I don't know anybody around here, but he lives in this area. And so we go, and we're at this bar, and I remember being outside, and this kid's probably like 6'2", like 220. He's a big kid, and um, we're outside, and we're like pushing each other around, just like Marines. Like We get rowdy, and um, these six guys come out, and they come outside, and they're like, is every, they're like, is everything good out here? Like, you guys good? You guys got a problem or anything like that? And um, my buddy's like, who wants to get body slammed? <laughs> and I'm, like, looking at him like, what? He's like, who wants to get body slammed? And this one kid's like, I do. So, like, he runs over there and picks this kid up and slams him right on his neck. And I'm like, okay, this escalated quickly. And um, next thing I know, like, my buddy's on the ground. And uh, there's, like, three guys, like, holding him down. And one of the guys is hitting him in the face. And... Um, so I'm, like, freaking out. And my elbow, uh, I just got a surgery about, like, a month and a half prior to this. So I'm, like, I'm not trying to get hurt. And, uh, but I'm not going to let him sit down there. So I, like, run over there, and I hit, like, one of the guys. And then I remember that, like, I got my gun. So uh, my car is, like, a couple cars down. So I, like, run over to my car, and I grab my gun out of, the, uh, out of the trunk. And at this point, all I could think about, like, I'm getting pumped. I'm, like, all right, this is about to get real like these guys are like this is it so I grab my gun and I load it and I like run back over and I just start shooting off rounds I shot off probably like four or five rounds and I like grab one of the kids 
And I'm just like, I'm looking at him, and I'm like telling him I'm going to murder him. Like, everybody starts screaming. Everybody starts crying. Like, everybody's kids right outside of the front of the bar. And um, next thing I know, everybody starts running out of the bar. And I was talking to one of these ladies that was inside, and she's screaming at her daughters. And I'm like, just standing there like, what's going on? Like, you know, like not even comprehending, like, the situation at all. I just knew that I had to de-escalate the situation. Uh, and that's the only way that I knew how to do it. And I wasn't going to let him get hurt. And so... She's freaking out, and everybody's losing it. Next thing I know, my buddy's looking at me, and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. And so he's like, we need to get out of here. So we end up leaving. And um, from that point forward, I don't really remember what happened. I know I woke up the next morning, and um, I kind of had an idea of what happened, but not really. And I just all I could think about was, like, where's my gun? And um, so I, like, run into his room, and I'm like, what happened last night? He's like, you don't remember? I was like, no. And he told me, and I was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> I was like, I got to go home. Like, this was like six hours. Yeah, he lived six hours north. So I jump in my car, and I call my buddy, uh, who was a cop. And um, I tell him, like, what's going on? And we were planning on going to uh, Florida. So I come back, and, like, I think it was, like, two days later, we fly to Florida. And um, just to, like, let things cool off. And so I'm in Florida, and all of a sudden, like, my buddy calls me, and he's like, like, they know that I was with you, and they don't know you, but, like, you got to call these guys. Like, and it was the owner of the bar. I'm like, do the cops know? Like, what's going on? And um, I was never, I have not been this afraid in my entire life. And I'm like, my life's over. Like, I'm going to school for criminal justice to be a cop. And this is what's taking place. And um, so he's like, call the owner of the bar. So I call the owner of the bar. And I'm like, hey, what's up? Like, I didn't want to tell him my name. I was like, hey, I'm the guy that was with Earl. And he's like, what's going on? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I'm a, he's like, I'm a disabled veteran. He's like, what's going on? And I'm like, and I told him what happened. And he's like, listen, I'm here. Like, we're, we're looking out for each other here. And he's like, you damaged some stuff. I want you to take care of that. And if you take care of that, we're good. And he's like, I'll take care of everything else. And I'm like, okay, this is crazy. Like, what happened last night was nuts. What happened the other night was nuts, but, like, you're here right now, and this is God. And so, long story short, I ended up paying him, and he took care of everything, and never heard from the cops, never heard from anything, and everything was literally dropped. So at this time, I'm trying to be a cop. I end up going to New Haven trying to be a cop, and they literally looked at me and started, like, laughing. They're like, you're never going to get hired anywhere, like, with your, like, record, um, with and so something happened inside of me that shifted. At this time, I'm like, okay, everything that I've been going for, everything that I wanted to do is, like, be a cop. Um, so what now? Uh, I got really depressed, and I started to really, like, rethink everything. And I just remember I went into, like, this extremely dark place that I've been, like, numerous times and for a very long time. And I'm just sitting in my um, in my room on my bed, and I'm literally, like, thinking that this is it for me. You know, I wanted to kill myself. And so I'm, lo- I'm thinking of everybody that always told me, like, get rid of the guns, get rid of the guns, like, get rid of the guns. Like, and I'm like, no, like, I'm good. You know, I can, like, control myself. I can take care of it. Like, I've been around guns plenty of times, and I know how to handle them, and I'm not going to kill myself. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, you know what? This is it. It's been, I've gone way too far. Like, I've, like, done two motorcycle accidents, seriously, almost killed myself twice on those times. Um, you know, almost killed people plus myself. And then 
everything that's happened in the Marine Corps, and I'm, like, basically done. And so at this time, like, I grab my gun, and I'm sitting on my bed, and I load it, and I'm, like, just trying to play in my head, like, what's going to take place next. And I'm thinking of everybody that's telling me to get rid of the guns, and I'm telling myself, like, I can do it. I can do it. And at this point, I'm drunk. And so I'm crying, I'm sitting there, and um, I put the gun to my head, and I'm just, like, pumping myself up for it. I'm, like, I'm crying so hard, and I'm just, I just wanted everything to be done with. I wanted it to be over with. And so the next thing I know as I'm sitting there is that my heart is rapidly like racing and all I can think about is like pray to God and um, my mind is literally going from left to right from left to right from left to right and I didn't even know what it meant you know I didn't know God I didn't know any of these different kind of things so while I'm sitting here with a gun to my head crying wanting my life to be over I'm thinking about praying to God And I remember this video that I watched about Billy Graham talking about Jesus and how Jesus, like, saves people. And I'm thinking about Jesus and how he saves people. And I'm like, my life cannot be saved at this point in time. Like, there is no possible way. I dug myself in such a deep hole that it wasn't even, like, like there was no... What can I do? You know, my, this hole is so deep that I, had a, I would have to backtrack so many years to try to pull myself out of the situation and start over. And it wasn't even worth it at this time. And, like, the hatred that I had, like, the, the anxiety that I had, the PTSD that I had, like, I would walk around at night with a headlamp on because I would take ambient and it would make me hallucinate. And I'd walk around, like, my house, like, looking at things, thinking I'm seeing something else. And at night when I'm sleeping, I'd wake up and literally see people come into my room, and I would just sit there knowing that, I don't know if this is real or not, and I would just, like, lose it. I would lose it. I would stay up all night and sleep during the morning hours so that I just didn't have to deal with the dark. And um, I'm sitting there, and I'm just thinking about Jesus, just thinking about Jesus. So the next thing I do is I just jump on my knees, and I'm just crying out to God, and I'm like, Jesus, like, I don't know who you are, but, like, if you do what you say you do, and, like, you are who you say you are, like, save me or kill me. And if you save me, I will give my life to you. I will surrender everything, and I will commit, like, everything that I am to you. Like, it seems unrealistic, and I really, like, at that time, I was like, this is the stupidest thing, like, I've ever done. Um, And... Just because, like, being a Marine, you have this pride. You're not going to, like, be vulnerable. You're not going to, like, put yourself in a situation where you need help from anybody else. And I'm just crying out. And I'm like, this seems, like, so stupid and unrealistic, but, like, I'm going to give it a shot. And so the next thing I know is that I pass out and and I wake up the next morning. And when I wake up, um, when I say that, like, there was a transformation, like, the transformation was unrealistic. I can never explain it to anybody else except for a Christian because they know. Um... The heart, the, the hatred, the PTSD, the anxiety, the, the sadness, I mean, everything was gone like that. And, like, I was filled with, like, this crazy amount of love. Like, my heart and my soul were on fire. And I was just, like, I woke up, and I'm, like, I remember just being, like, yes, like, this is it. Like, I don't know what is going on. And um, I just remember, like, 
Ah, oh, I'm like, this is crazy. Like, I remember going to school that day, and I'm like, listen to classical music, and I've never listened to classical music. <laughs> I'm listening to classical music, driving to school, just like, I am at peace in life. And I get to school, and I'm telling everybody like that I love them, and they're like, who is this dude? And um, like, I was like afraid to talk to anybody at school. I was like, these people have no idea. Like, they have no idea like what is going on in my mind right now. Like, I couldn't stand anybody. And I remember going to, uh, just, I, like, it was probably a week later, I ended up going to some church um, in Cheshire and just telling the pastor, like, what happened. And he's like, dude, this is nuts. Like, this is awesome. And then he kind of explained to me, like, what, like, who Jesus is and, like, what he does and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, this is game time. And so from that point forward, you know, I just realized that Jesus is who he says he is and he does what he says he does. And... It doesn't take the Bible for, it doesn't take, you know, you knowing the Bible to know Jesus. And for me, you know, I had, there's no reason why he needed to save me. You know, I'd done so so many wrong things and I just did whatever I wanted. You know, like I relied on literally like everything, like drugs, alcohol, like women, like it didn't matter. Like whatever I needed to do to make myself happy. And honestly, I wanted to hurt other people. I wanted to crush other people because it made me happy uh, to see people in pain. And uh, the amount of lives and people that I've hurt and the things that I've done, it just, it's like unrealistic that somebody would forgive me. And so when I realized that I was forgiven, my whole life changed. And uh, from that point forward, it's always been like, this is it. Like, Jesus is who he is. And, you know, I'm serving him no matter what. And so thinking about, you know, what it means to be a veteran, you know, it was kind of hard for me to, like, think about what it means to be a veteran, because I think I was thinking too hard, and then I realized, like, I am a veteran, like, what does it, what does it mean? And what it means to me was, at one point in time, you knew what it meant to sacrifice yourself. It knew what it, it, you knew what it meant to sacrifice your life for something much greater than yourself, you fought for the freedoms of a nation and the nation's people. You were faithful over few. You knew what it felt like to be different. You stood out. Your presence was made known. You knew who you were, and you knew what you stood for. And you were willing to die for the country. You were taught discipline. You lived by core values. And you took them seriously in everything that you did. You took obedience seriously. You were faithful and loyal. And the most important thing to me was community. You lived with a community that you would die for in a heartbeat. And a lot of times people are like, you know, thank you for your service. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. And I think that is definitely um, needed for sure. But at the end of the day, most veterans know that they didn't do it for that, and they didn't do it for, you know, people. They did it for each other that were fighting. And when I started to realize God was going to give me, you know, revelation and wisdom and the ability to understand who he is and what he wants, it kind of blew my mind because I'm like, you have a population of veterans who literally know what it means to live a selfless life and to sacrifice themselves for something much greater. And then they come back to a world that doesn't understand what that means. And then you have these people 
who, you have, I mean, there's statistics that show there's an average of 22 suicides a day from veterans. And it does not surprise me at all because they're looking for something that cannot be found outside of God. And that cannot be found outside of a community that loves each other and that is willing to walk with each other through thick and thin. You know, I remember when I was in the Marine Corps, the toughest times were the best times. I would be with these guys and we'd be crying about who knows what. We'd be getting hammered and crying about everything. And it was just like, the hammered part could probably be left out. But, um, you know, we would just, we, we would be there for each other no matter what. The mistakes that we made, you know, we would be there to, like, uh, celebrate together. We'd be there to, uh, to mourn together. Uh, when we lost guys, we would all mourn together, but we would celebrate their life. And then I would think about the church, and I'm like, wow. Like, this, the, the church is literally the same as, like, a military, military lifestyle. And it blew my mind that we've been, that nobody really understands that. Nobody can, like, conceptualize this idea in this past, it's been two years now since I've been a Christian. You know, God has really just shown me like so much in regards to how it, how, to how, what it means to live like a Christian life, what it means to like live for something much greater than yourself. And I was reading something this morning, and it was just talking about like you know being pulled in one direction and then being pulled in the other direction. A lot of times we make it so much more harder than it really is, um, and I know I do, until I realize like what God is really doing. And then when I realized, you know, God has given me, like, this deep revelation of, like, it's the Holy Spirit that is in you that is going to do the work. Like, you need to quit trying to do the work because you're not doing it. You're not going to do it. And so when I realized that, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, you know, it's time, to, it's, it's time to let the Holy Spirit do his job. And what I realized was when the veterans made the choice to go into the military, when they signed that contract they fully committed their entire life to the mission. And when I think about being a Christian, I realize that I have fully decided to commit to God. And when that happens is when God moves. And, you know, it's been the best journey. Two years, I mean, has blown away the rest of my life. And I think... You know, there's nothing else that I would rather ever do in my life than serve God because he has moved in such powerful ways and in ways that I can't even explain for myself. And I think a veteran knows deep down inside what it means to serve. And I wish that everybody else could know that as well. And so wrap it up, I think when we, when we consider what it means to be a Christian, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, going all in. And when you make that decision, it's when you see, like, the, the, the real joy, the real beauty of who God really is and who Jesus really is. And, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah.